And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, with a shout-out to Bounce Radio Stations from the shores of the Columbia River and Trail or floating down the Columbia River in Invermere, one of my favorite things to do in all 20 other cities across the province, listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Welcome to the show. We are on location at Quails Gate Winery in West Kelowna, and our host is uh, Rowan Stewart, third-generation family member and assistant winemaker here at Quails Gate. Rowan, uh, great to see you. Yeah, nice to see you again. We again. we dragged you out of the cellar. Yes. <laughs> but you're not making wine yet. What's going on with this harvest? What can you tell uh, the folks in the lower mainland or around the province about what you see here? Yeah, so this year we're having a pretty classic cool climate vintage. Um, the vineyards themselves are about two weeks behind, so we're tracking very similar to 2010, 2011. Uh, that can be really nice some years because you get a little bit extra flavor development and not just sugar accumulation. So. Yeah. Kind so of excited. because the grapes are hanging longer on the vine than than normal. Yeah, they get more they, time to develop those compounds that give us nice flavors other yeah. than sugar. And it probably protects the acidity too. Then I guess if yeah, it's a little bit cooler. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's a <laughs> that sounds good. And then what happens when you pick? It all comes at once, and everybody's freaking out. Or? It does. You know, in the winery, uh, our cellar guys are obviously a little bit nervous about that because then instead of having four weeks in September when they can process and pick and ferment, they've got to do it all in October. Mm -hmm. So it does compress the vintage for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, you're uh, the next generation here. It yeah. sounds like a TV show or a movie, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to launch a reality show soon. Yeah. How does that feel? Uh, pretty good. It's exciting to be back. Um, you know, I grew up on this property, so it's pretty special to me, and yeah. it means a lot to be able to contribute in whatever way I can to the wines and the terroir and uh, the winery in general. Yeah, we're speaking uh, with uh, the assistant winemaker, Roan Stewart, from Quailsgate Family uh, Winery. So, Roan, you, you come back. Uh, could you imagine Quailsgate the way it is now? Like, it's it's quite an operation. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty hard to imagine. Um, I remember when the winery first got built, you know, it was like one building and one room, and now it's bursting at the seams, and mm. the barrels and the tanks are kind of coming out the different corners. Everywhere, and, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, when I started coming to wineries, we went to the winery. We never even saw the vineyard. Yeah. That's all changed. That's a big change here at Quailsgate, too, for visitors. Yeah, I think there's been a, as the Canadian wine industry in general, but as we've kind of grown and, and learned about winemaking, we're uh, much more in tune with the vineyards. And we want to show people that because it's, it's a little bit more exciting. At first, it was just, oh, we're making wine, and yeah. that's new and exciting. And now we want to showcase our terroir, our yeah. wines. And uh, how has the reaction been from people like getting out in the vineyards and, and experiencing that part of the wine business? I think people are resonating with it. There's very few uh, products kind of in the BC Canada zone where you can see an agricultural product right there coming into the, the building where you're going to taste and enjoy that product. Yeah. You know, it's really, uh, it's limited um, to maybe some ice cream dairies, I guess, and wineries. So yeah. it's something that people, I think, crave and resonate with. Well, we're going to set up the next segment because there's a lot of things to talk about here. Yeah. A lot of new innovations going on at, at uh, Quailsgate. Uh, one, you're pursuing uh, sustainability. Big yeah. word. Lots yes, to talk about there. Word. Yeah, that's moving along. Yeah, really well, actually. Yeah, uh, some new wines we're going to talk about, some innovative new wines. Yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah. And maybe we'll talk about the old guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> Some of the old ones. The yeah. other generations. Yes. Yeah, they're still around, too. They're, they're still around, uh, guiding the ship, as it were. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, all that uh, and much more coming up next uh, on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. We're speaking with Rowan Stewart. He's the assistant winemaker. We'll take a quick break and come back and talk more about uh, many new innovations here at Quailsgate Family Estate. You're listening to BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visit Penticton.com. The largest, most extensive collection of British Columbia wines is at Save-On Foods. Over 1,300 to choose from. Nowhere else comes close to the selection of BC VQA wines you'll discover at 22 different Save-On Food stores across our province, including the brand new Sunwood Square location, now open in Coquitlam. And right now, pick up four bottles and get 10% off. See for yourself the unmatched selection of British Columbia wines with Wines of BC at Save-On Foods, now open in Coquitlam. Visit saveonfoods.com. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. The most exciting club in the Okanagan is Summer Hills Organic Wine Club. When you become a member, you'll receive 24 bottles per year of sommelier-curated organic wines. Enjoy preferred pricing and free delivery. Plus, members earn double gratitude points, which gives 20% of each order back in your pocket. Get insider information on Summer Hill's new releases and special events. Enjoy the flavors of Summer Hill. Join the Organic Wine Club at summerhill.bc.ca. From the Save-On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. They say the heart of rock and roll is still beating. And from what I've seen, I believe them. Now the other may be barely breathing. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome back to the show. We're on the road, and we're on location today at Quailsgate Winery in West Kelowna. Our guest is Rowan Stewart. He's a third-generation family member and assistant winemaker here at uh, Quail's Gate Winery. Uh, we've actually dragged him right out of the winery. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, we mentioned the season's a little bit late, so you, you've just been finishing up some bottling to get ready for the big event. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit of, uh, we like to schedule some bottlings right before vintage to clear up tanks and barrels and, yeah. you know. So your family's been around a long time. Maybe we have a quick run-through of where Quail's Gate came from. Yeah, so originally uh, my grandfather, uh, Dick Stewart, purchased the property in 52, 54, right. two years before the bridge was built. Um, and so at the time, uh, his brother 
was quite critical of the decision. This side of the lake was very undeveloped. There was only ferry access. In this particular region, there was no water access even. So you had no running water. There was no pumping station. Right. There was no paved roads. And when he came in here, um, they, he bought half of the property at first and then decided that the property seemed like it had a good potential as an orchard. That was his background, yeah. orchardist and horticulturalist. And so he put in the the pumping house, which is still the you know the bones of the system that is running there today. So yeah. well, in fact, the family dates back to the late 1800s or early 1900s, yes. with, uh, where they were growing or selling shrubs and trees and everything in, around here for yeah. orchards. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of come full circle. Uh, we've purchased another property um, that used to be the old Stewart Brothers Nursery site in East Kelowna, and so we're yeah. planting vineyards there. And uh, at the time we planted it, it wasn't clear uh maybe some people had an idea but actually the ashes of uh my great-grandfather dick and his wife are, are spread there and there's two uh stones for them and so pretty special purchase for the family and yeah so uh let's say 50 years more than 50 years now of innovations yeah now you're here now there's more pressure to innovate yes exactly uh but it's kind of fun so l- let's talk about the present and w- some of the things that you're working on yeah so really what we're focused on these days is uh we've kind of proven that Canada can make great wine, and, and we want to showcase our terroir uh, maybe a bit more than most. I care a lot about this site in particular, and mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about it. There's a lot of great aspects to this site that other sites in the Okanagan don't get to see. We're south-facing, we have beautiful exposure, we're at a low point where you can see kind of out across the valley, and so we get extra sun exposure during the year yeah. on the shore, on the, the shores, sorry, I guess the shores of the old lake, but on the slopes of an old volcano. Uh, and we're really trying to express that. We want to showcase our site in our wines and really push that aspect of it. Yeah. So. And at 49 degrees north, almost 50, <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't the whole world searching for a sloping site facing south at 50 degrees? Probably. <laughs> uh, there's very few of them. You know, you hear uh, yeah. everyone is very excited when they have one. And so, so you know, great. Yeah. Uh, our guest is Rowan Stewart. He's a family member and assistant winemaker, and we're talking about the Distinction Collection, an innovative method of introducing new wines into the lineup. Okay, well, we, we have you here today to talk about this new collection, the Distinction uh, uh, series or collection of wines. So tell us about this and how. Wh- why is it so important to have a, to have a series like this? Yeah, it's um, you know one of the things that as uh, as a winery and a company as you grow, it's hard to innovate sometimes when you have success in your other other wines. And uh, as winemakers, it's really exciting to us to innovate. Um, I think every winemaker wants to innovate, and you don't always see it when they're making kind of um, iterative wines. And so this range is really an opportunity for us to try out new things, uh, play around with things that might not necessarily work out in the long run, and we can kind of. Um, bring a wine in, and then it might not be made next year. You know, if we think that the season is really uh, showcasing something exciting and we want to make an individual wine to express that, this would be the distinction range. So I'm sipping a, a Pinot Gris in the series, which you're calling Three, Three Wolves. Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. So this Pinot Gris is uh, it's from the Three Wolves Vineyard. Um, one of our long-term growers who's been growing with us for decades, uh, Claude Drought, owns this vineyard. And we recently t- took over the farming of it. Um, he's getting older, and we wanted to kind of showcase the Pinot Gris. And it's it's on Bushery as well, just two minutes up the road. And mm-hmm. so we kind of took this wine, fermented it a little differently to the way we would normally deal with Pinot Gris, um, with a little bit of oak, oak. Yeah. Uh, oak fermentation, aged in oak for a little bit, about 23%, I think. 
And yeah, it, it's just got this really great weight to it, a little bit of batonnage to kind of build that weight and that flavor profile. Uh, we picked it a little bit later than we um, might normally to develop some of those extra flavors, and, and last year was very hot, so that mm. helped bring forward a lot of those really exciting. Yeah, uh, well, it's textural for sure, and it has that weight. I, I really like that that style, and we don't see much of that style either in the Pinot Gris. A lot of fruit salad Pinot Gris in the valley. Yeah. This is a much more, uh, in, mo- a more complex version, I would say. I think so. I think it's quite common in BC to make your Pinot Gris in a way that's almost reminiscent yeah. of some of those, you know, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, like a light, zippy yep. white. So. And, you know, we love our farmers, but we also say that to have complete control over the growing makes a big difference to a winemaker versus, For sure. you know, buying the fruit from someone where you don't, you really can't control everything in the vineyard. You can't. And the hardest part is that, uh, you know, my family was grape growers before we were winemakers. And when you're making your living from that vineyard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's... There's considerations you have to take in. You know, you can't always do it the way yeah. the greatest winemaking would be. Well, I'm excited to talk about this Pinot Noir because I guess when when I first heard about Quail's Gate and they were a farm gate, which I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know what that was. I thought I had to open a gate to get in and see. <laughs> uh, and then they said they're going to grow Pinot Noir in British Columbia, and I thought these guys are nuts. Well, and uh, they took a big chance. Yeah, Ben uh, really pushed for Pinot Noir. He wanted to make red wine. And I might be getting the story slightly wrong, but I think he has a letter from St. Michelle Winery that's like, we will not be purchasing any of these red grapes you're putting into the ground. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and they're almost out of business, by I the way. I think they're gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, yeah they got that, bought up by someone. Yeah, yeah the tobacco company. Anyway, it's a yeah. long story. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about yeah. I mean, you guys are now famous for Pinot. And, yeah. So, And what about clones? This is a clone. What, what do we need to know so, as a consumer about all that? As a consumer and as a winemaker, this Dijon Clone Pinot Noir to me is, is very special. Um, we're quite lucky. We have the first 8 to 8 plantings in North America, which is one of the Pinot Noir clones. Um, and so it's kind of a long story, but the short version is the only nursery in France that was allowed to export that clone had an issue in the States where they got banned from importing to the States. And so the States was using these cuttings from Archery Summit thinking they were 8 to 8, but DNA analysis shows they're not, and now they're known as AS1 and AS2. But that means that R828 was the first in North America, and so we're really excited about it. Um, it's a one that is kind of interesting because some years it plays nicely with the other clones, some years it doesn't. And this Dijon clone is kind of 95% 828 with a little bit of 777, mm-hmm. and it'll balance it out. So Lovely wine. It, this is a 2020, but, but this wine is going to age for a while. Yeah, the nice thing about 828 is it creates this great structure on the palate. The acidity and the tannin really build together into this beautiful linear expression of mm. uh, Pinot Noir that I think is really nice. Yeah, and the series itself is, is it's not set in stone. So no. we, we might not see this wine. We might see it again, or it'll come back in other years, or how, how does that work? Yeah, you might not. So those of uh, anyone who's followed Quailsgate for a few years might remember we used to make an 828 wine on its own, and that was kind of the starting point for this wine. And then we thought, you know, in this distinction tier, we want to have a little bit more uh, flexibility. Um, and so we named it the Dijon clone so that we can kind of explore all the different Dijon clones. And, and in the next year, you might see a, a different clone showcasing mm-hmm. itself a lot better. Mm. Uh, well, I like this one. I hope it comes back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the future now? Yeah, so like it's resting on your shoulders, kind of, sort of. Oh wow, no pressure. But yeah. uh, it, it's exciting because what we're trying to do now is um, we're no longer looking at how to bring 
Canadian winemaking to the level of everyone else. We're there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think many other wineries than us have proven it as well. Um, and so we're looking to innovate and take things to the next level. And part of that for us is looking at exploring our terroir. So we're doing kind of, we've done a lot of wild ferments in the past, but, um, you know, wild ferments, we've done some studies, they don't always continue wild in the winery. So mm-hmm. we're looking at how to bring that excitement of wild ferment uh, from the vineyard into the winery without losing it. And we're doing kind of ferments in the vineyard, little bits of pied de cuves out there. Um, that's seem, pretty exciting. It seems to me that you're over the trying to make a Burgundian Pinot or an Oregon Pinot, and then you're just making an Okanagan Pinot Noir. Yeah, yeah. I'd almost say we're trying to make a, a bushery Pinot Noir in some ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, really fantastic catch up with you. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on the, all the new stuff that's happening here. We're going to talk more next about what's going on in the vineyards, but uh, it's exciting and uh, uh, taking that baton and moving forward. That's going to be fun. Yeah. You'll be around long after I'm gone, so better look <laughs> after stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Hey, that was Rowan Stewart. He's a family member and assistant winemaker here on the east-facing slopes of West Kelowna at Quailsgate Winery. Up next, Ed Tonner, the senior viticulturalist, joins us to talk about Quailsgate's move to sustainability. This is BC Food & Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkamine Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Life in the Okanagan. Great food, fine wine, fabulous views. You can have it all at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher Restaurant in West Kelowna. Enjoy the stunning vistas that add an unmistakable excellence to your wine tasting experience. Or step inside the Modest Butcher for some signature delicious dishes from the menu. Reservations are recommended, but walk-ins are always welcome. To find out more, go to mtboucherie and modestbutcher.com. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, and shout out to all the bounce radio stations across the province listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is uh, Quailsgate Senior Viticulturalist Ed Tonner. Ed, welcome to the show. 
good to be here. We dragged Rowan out of the winery, and we've dragged you out of the vineyard. What, what were you doing today there? Just having a ham sandwich in the middle <laughs> of the vines or something? I actually had a, uh, a salmon sandwich, uh-huh. uh, freshly cut a lake of soyuz, feeling pretty good. Oh, wow. Filleted nice. yesterday. You busy at this time of the year in the vineyard? Or? Yeah, it's been a weird uh, late season, right? So it was yeah. wet and late, and then we just kind of, uh, you know, we Ju- June and July was, was a funny one. Yeah. Uh, but we're just kind of gaining our stride right now. We've probably got eight weeks till harvest. And uh, now we're kind of in that management stage where we're just, you know, de-leafing, we're doing a little bit of a trim, we're doing some sort of just, just yeah. basic management to get us through. Well, we brought a Chardonnay to taste, the reserve Chardonnay. So w- what are you doing in the vineyard, the Chardonnay vineyard for this wine uh, right now? And can you explain why you're doing it? Yes. Yeah, so this specific Chardonnay here comes from one of our, uh, we've got a couple blocks for rosemaries. And it's, uh, it's just a great combination of rootstock. You've got Scion, which is your varietal, uh, and your clone based on in that little microclimate. So we've noted over the last like 15, 20 years where the, the specific Chardonnay grows really well on site. From my perspective, what we do is we, we actually look at it from the very beginning of the year in, in January and February when we actually prune it. And we're thinking crop levels, we're thinking spacing, and then we're actually trying to drive it home with, uh, with de-leafing, a little bit of canopy management. We can kind of take some shoulders off of the cluster just to ripen it evenly. We don't want to have a lot of the stuff, if you do leave it on the vine, it sometimes ripens a little uneven. So if yeah. we actually take things off, it's called green thinning and green harvesting. So we just drop that on the ground, and that way we get that uniform flavor, and that's really just letting it go. Letting yeah. it and the vine's smart, too. It knows it's got to get ripe now. Smarter so than you, me? Yeah. Absolutely. So you're just helping it out in the last run to the end sort of thing. That's it. It does all the work for us yeah. uh, at the end of the day. We just kind of carry it through. So. Well, let's talk about uh, sustainability. It's a big word, but you people have jumped in big at Quailsgate, and now you're certified. Can we start with that, what, what all this means now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's gained quite a, a lot of traction lately. We, we hit it in January, so we got the certification through the certification process and uh it's right off the bat it's it's a mindset and it's rolling it out within the actual the staff that we work with mm-hmm. um you know with the Stewart family they've they've always been um pretty tuned to uh sort of that sustainability way yeah uh, you wouldn't be around as long as they have unless you were thinking about the you know the next generation well i always think about you and all your your uh, co-workers working in a field isn't it nice to work in a place that's sustainable uh, much healthier environment than than say what it was 30 years ago in in many many vineyards oh yeah it's it's awesome if you think about um, ownership first and foremost trying to be sustainable in everything that they do it gives everybody on staff a little bit more of that confidence and it's it's breeding a culture that actually makes a lot of sense yeah going to work every day everybody does it but when you go to work every day with people that are actually on board with that it creates a it really a positive act. it makes a huge difference our guest is ed tonner he's a senior viticulturalist at quailsgate winery and we're talking about sustainability so there's some major pillars let's start with water always a big issue so how does that work in here what are you doing with water water's huge out you know the okanagan depends on water in every agricultural sense um if if you're not mindful of how much you're using then you just end up overwatering everything you'll just yeah. do a lot more than a lot less with what we're doing here we're creating metrics we're measuring our water by measuring our water we're actually able to create more of a consistent um product in the vineyard um we have different tools. We've got different mechanisms. We've got our phones tied in with our valves in the field. And that gives us a an exact margin of what we're able to use. If you mm-hmm. look at what California's been doing sure. and Oregon and Washington, they're mindful of what they're using. We have this natural resource that's right in front of us. 
but a lot of the times we don't realize that actually it's a depleting resource. So Yeah, and uh, well, it's a big slope, and there's a lake down at the bottom, too. <laughs> That's another issue for water. It's huge, runoff. runoff. Yeah, yeah, so gravity always wins. And, yeah. you know, we have whatever we, and it's not just us, it's everybody building on top of us as well. So everything eventually ends up in the lake. If you have buffer zones, if you've got natural filtrations, um, we've got about 15% of our farmland allocated to this natural filtration system, which is a marshland. We've got wild amount of birds. Um, and again, with these synthetic fertilizers and synthetic uh, herbicides, we're trying to mitigate all that. We're trying to drop that level down. So what we do put back in the water is essentially what we're actually using at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason why we can't do it. There's a lot of mechanization out there where we're actually... Uh, purchasing that's allowing us not to have to spray Roundup, not to have to spray certain yeah. synthetics. And that's that's kind of driving that sustainability. Yeah. yeah. Cover crops, weeds, another big part of uh, <laughs> growing vines. What are yeah. you doing about that? Well, we got we to gotta learn to like weeds. Yeah. I think that's the, at the end of the day, a weed isn't something that's, that's, that's nasty to look at. Um, weeds are natural and native to the environment. It's, there's, there's annuals, there's perennials. Um, it's just as long as they don't compete with the plant. If, if, the, vi- if the weed is competing with the plant, then you're going to actually decrease the vigor of the vine. Yeah. Um, the way I look at it is we've got to get comfortable with that natural look. Uh, we don't have to have that, that band of dirt that's actually Underneath. surrounding the vine. Yep. Exactly. Just be, be comfortable with it. And what we do is we do a light scrape, and we use that as organic matter, and we turn that right back into the soil. Yeah. Um, and it's all, it's all native. Yeah. Uh, well, I uh, do you think vines talk to each other? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Um, I, I got to go with a yes. I think that... You well, know, they're standing out there all day long. I mean, what what else? They've okay, got to know me, what's going on. They're pretty smart. Well, what song would you play to the vines if we're uh, going to be talking? Uh, I don't know. Put the price up or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more Bob Marley in terms of stress. Okay. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, there's been guys that have been playing like Tchaikovsky and Rachmaninoff and whatnot to play to the vines. Keep I, them happy. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. And I think if you keep the actual... Uh, beneficial insects happy, which yep. which you're keeping the cover crop happy, and you're keeping the, you know, it's not just vines too. The monocrop mentality is is something that you just kind of want to get away from. We want to actually envelop more of a, um, you know, you know, different crops growing in, in the beneficials yeah. and and the, you know the orchards around us. Yeah, it's kind of like mixed farming. Like if you go to Tuscany, there's everything going on, right? And, and there's olive trees, there's vines, there's it all benefits running around. It all benefits. And if you look at if you if you're catching like that term terroir. Yep. That's exactly what it is. You know, Greece and Italy and France and Spain. And yep. I'd love to kind of build that. Well, at 40, 50, 60 years old now on this property, there's some stuff going on. Uh, I don't know if, if vineyard renewal is part of sustainability, but that information passed down, I think, should be. So what, tell us a little bit about what you've done, because you've done some replanting here now. We did. The last two years, we've collectively put in almost, um, I'd say, about 50,000 vines. So... Two years ago, we did uh, an amazing planting of 20 acres. It took us about four days on the other side at SFE. Um, and this year, we did a 10-acre planting of this um, interesting two different clones of Syrah and four different clones of Pinot Noir. Um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been unbelievable because we've actually recontoured the land. What Ben and Tony were a part of 35, 40 years ago, yep. when these wines went in, it was Riesling and it was Optima. And that gained a lot of traction, but then the the vines they went through forty years of Canadian winters. Yep. And when you're looking at that vascular tissue, and you're looking at the actual phloem and the xylem and the cambium layer that feed the vine water and food, 
it just gets compromised. I'm getting excited here. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm getting a little jazz myself. Yeah. Yeah, always good to <laughs> to renew them though, and and actually plant what you probably think is exactly what should go there now. Well, the, it the might last longer too, right? Less need, need less care. The the most important part when you put these vines in is the first three to four years. Yeah. If you, it's like a like a child. Yeah. If you give it the environment, you give it the care, you give it the protection, you give it the food, you give it the yeah. proper amount of water, then it sets itself up for the next thirty five to forty years of success. So, that's our mo right now. We're actually trying to create this. Um, this product early and we're treating it with a lot of care we don't want to have fruit coming off that mm. vine within the first three to four years year five boom we hit it and whatever it gives us it gives us yeah uh the last sort of big peg of the sustainability is people how how are the people embracing it and how has it changed the people here at quail skater will it keep changing them quail skate's a good one it's 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 a collection of people that either have been here for 25 years yeah you know there's judy she's been with us for 16 years she's the vineyard manager on this side tim he's yeah. been with us for 18 years i mean collectively and i've been here for a couple of years so it's people stick around here because they want to be here mm -hmm. in saying that sometimes it is tough to change direction when you're further along in your career sustainability makes sense and i, I preach the financials and i can preach the the mindset but the buy-in is the key and i think the more we do it um, the more we actually are practical about it and, and they can see the, the actual effects in the vineyard, that's when they actually buy in. Mm -hmm. I can't, you can only say so much until somebody actually says, hey, you know what, I don't know what you're talking about or I don't want to do this differently. Mm -hmm. Once they see the actual change in the vineyard and once they actually taste the change in the wine, yeah. then it's, it's spoken for. And we're going to talk to Kaylee later on because it's going to happen in the winery too and the restaurant. The, it'll proceed, but uh, of course the most important place to start is always in the vineyard well exactly it's the best place to be yeah always and uh and it always starts in the vineyard ground up right yeah. so uh i think it makes sense the natural progression with the sustainability your product the raw material um i think in the winery they have to deal with a lot more issues with which is the different types of sanitization even lights the energy that they're actually using mm -hmm. we're a little bit more practical in the vineyard um and it makes it it makes it interesting. I think they've got their hands full. They've got a big year ahead of them, but uh, someone's got to lead the charge, and that's the vineyard. Mm -hmm. Ed, fantastic catching up with you. Likewise. Yeah, great to see. You. I hope uh, I wish you luck with the harvest. Uh, I know it's a little ways out, but uh, it will arrive. Eight weeks and counting. Yeah. Um, Do you I, are you the only guy picking this year? Are you going to get a little help or? Uh, just me. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> me solo. Get I've got started. I've got about a thousand metric tons to pick. <laughs> I got a couple of buddies in Mexico. They're going to help out. Okay. Uh, we got you know I think twenty four men strong. Yeah. Uh, Continuity's key on that one, but we've got a lot of good local help as well. Great. Good yeah. luck. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. That was Ed Tonner. He's a senior viticulturist at Coilsgate Winery. We're coming to you on location today from the winery in West Kelowna. Up next, we'll be joined by associate winemaker Kaylee Fresh from our perch above Okanagan Lake. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Refreshing, relaxing, romantic. Get away to Therapy Vineyards and stay at their modern, comfortable, and spacious boutique inn. Experience your moment of awe from the balcony of your room while taking in the panoramic views of the vineyards and Okanagan Lake. Capture the essence of the grape-growing season while luxuriating at your home base for wine tours. Oh, and did we mention award-winning wines? Book your relaxing retreat or perfect couples getaway today at therapyvineyards.com. 
Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the big city and relax in the beautiful and peaceful South Okanagan. Enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region, including 180 of BC's finest wineries. From Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to the Naramata Bench to Okanagan Falls and Skaha Lake's Heart of Wine Country, down to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. For community information, wine regions, and more trip inspiration, visit SouthOkanagan.com. It's time to create new memories in the South Okanagan you remember. The flavors of the region come alive at 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Enjoy lakeside dining inside or outside on the patio. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to offer up top-notch, seasonal, and locally inspired menus to complement the unmatched views of beautiful Lake Asuyas. For an unforgettable dining experience, 15 Park Bistro is the lakeside place to be. Now open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8. To find out more, visit 15parkbistro.com. Lively, delicious, and totally alcohol-free. Introducing Piquet Zero from Benjamin Bridge, a creative and unprecedented wine-style beverage. Discover the unique deliciousness of this new sensory experience. Golden sapphire in color with a blonde hue. The nose features zesty suggestions of key lime, blood orange peel, and lemon preserve with a balancing texture of tart cherries. And best of all, Piquet Zero is absolutely alcohol-free. For details, visit softcrush.ca. From the Save-On Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. Hello, British Columbia. We're on the road again, and today we're on location at Quailsgate uh, Family Estate. Our guest is associate winemaker Kaylee Fresh. She joins us to talk about a number of things, but mostly wine, because that's what winemakers do. Kaylee, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to have you uh, with us today. We've been talking to a lot of people about the vineyards and about what's going on at Quailsgate, but now we can actually talk about the wines. <laughs> Finally. Always the best. <laughs> Uh, maybe just a very brief overview for people who would uh, either visit or shop online. For How would you set out the Quailsgate wines, the tiers, what's available to people, what, you're, what you specialize in, I guess? Yes, yeah, so we specialize in Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So each of those have three different tiers. We have our entry-level Quailsgate Chardonnay. Then we have our Family Reserve Series. And then our highest tier is our... Founders series, which is based on the founders of the winery, Richard and Rosemary, um, and we have a Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in that range. Um, and th- th- those are like single blocks or, or yeah, special plots? So yes, they're, they're plots? very specific sites here on our estate. Yeah. Uh, how do you find those things? Like, how do they happen? So those are definitely through a lot of uh, trialing with the fruit. Um, over the years, you sort of gain knowledge of how each block performs. And then each year, you can kind of get more specific and more specific. So we started with the family reserve, and that was some of the older Dijon clone plantings. And then in, I think, 2013, that was the first year that we went into the founder series. So mm-hmm. we found these really specific sites on our estate that performed really well and just gave us... Um, such high quality fruit that we were really able to make such an exciting, um, high quality product out of those specific blocks. I've been thinking a lot about Pinot Noir and, you know, where it's grown. Of course, you know, originally Burgundy was the home of Pinot Noir, blah, blah, blah. But 
it seems to me that it might be cooler in BC now than it is in Burgundy with with climate change, and that we may be the real new Burgundy in some ways. Yes, it could be. Um, we are lucky that we still do have um, a very cool climate um, going forward. Who knows what will happen? But right now, we are allowed to. Uh, retain a lot of freshness and elegance in our wines. Yeah, our guest is Kaylee Fresh. He's the associate winemaker here at Quailsgate. Uh, how important is age of vines to you or as a winemaker and making wines? Is that an important thing? Uh, it is dependent on the varietal, but definitely with Pinot, you're not getting um, really refined, high-quality Pinot until at least the sixth year. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all of our um, reserve series, the vines are over 25 years old, um, planted on the estate in the 90s. Um, we do have younger vines coming online, and you do get um, good, interesting quality out of those as they are naturally lower cropping, mm-hmm. but it's just not as complex as you get with an aged vine. So, okay, I want to talk about uh, uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So for our listeners who, who uh, probably know Quailsgate, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay very well, as you say, entry level. But uh, uh, how does a wine go from that to the reserve? So, sort of walk us through that. Uh, it's a special place in the vineyard, too, or it's a barrel selection or, or combination? I don't know. Yeah, so it's definitely a combination. It always starts with the fruit, it starts with the site. Um, so, we take our highest quality fruit and then we treat it in the winery with um, the highest quality possible. So, you know, gentle processing. Um, for the Chardonnay, we do whole cluster pressing. We only use the free run. Uh, we drain it to our best barrel selection. So every year we experiment with different barrels, trying to find really what gives us the best combination of fruit and structure and really just frames the wine without adding any overt oakiness. Uh, for our Pinot Noirs, we bring them into the winery. We try and do the most gentle handling that we can. For our Richards block, for instance, we don't pump it. We top tip it into our fermenters. Um, we experiment with whole cluster and then do wild fermentations. Um, and it really yields just a complex, elegant wine. Mm. So when you're working with the team, you have you have a bunch of barrels of Chardonnay. And you, you taste those all, all together to assess where they're going to end up in the range for the year or... Or do you have some idea even before they go into the barrel? I would say that for the rosemary block, we have a good idea because we've really honed in on what site we use for rosemaries. Um, so we kind of know that all of that fruit is going to make it into rosemaries. Yeah. Um, with the SFR, we will have more of a barrel selection. So we'll go through each mm-hmm. barrel. We'll maybe blend 50 different blends and see exactly which blend turns out to be the best for the Stewart Family Reserve. Okay, so I want you to take a sip of this this wine and walk us through this wine. What are some of the things that you find in the wine and that that you're you're happy they're there? Or you you made them get there, or you allowed them to stay? I don't know what the right terminology might be, but yes. Yeah, so with our Stewart Family Reserve Chardonnay, there's a lot of ripe fruit, a lot of peach, um, a bit of a riper style Chardonnay. It's very rich. There's a lot of mouthfeel. Um, we let it age for 10 months in a mixture of neutral and new French oak. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do and, some. And it's on its lees or the, exactly. can you explain that? Because it's fantastic. I can, I can sense that in the wine. Yes. Yeah, so we really like the impact that the lees has. So it goes to barrel. It does its fermentation in barrel and then it stays in that barrel on its lees for the 10 months. We will do some stirring to really build that leasy character, give it depth and texture. We'll also allow it to go through full malolactic fermentation, so that adds a hint of butterscotch and just a little bit more complexity to the wine. 
and malolactic like converting say the acid in in milk to the acid in uh, or the acid in an apple to the acid in milk that sort of thing exactly so you're converting it. it from a diacid to a monoacid so it's a softer acid yeah it's a lovely wine the balance is fantastic in this wine all of those components are there but nothing sticking out uh, what about the ageability because a lot of people don't think much about uh, aging chardonnay it does have the capability to age for sure. It's got a lot of acidity. It's not overly ripe. I think that you could age it for 10 plus years. Um, I've tasted some of the back vintages of the Stewart Family Reserve and they're definitely tasting mm. young and fresh, even at 10 years old. 10 years, that's pretty impressive. And of course, they gain complexity over that time too in the bottle. So Exactly. You'll get interesting tertiary aromas coming out. When people say to me that wine's expensive, I say, well, that's one of the reasons why you would age it, because you, know, you to get your money back, even though you've spent it, you can increase the quality of the wine by aging it properly and then enjoying it when it is worth a lot of money and you didn't pay that for it. So you need to think about that. Uh, okay, let's switch to the Pinots. Uh, I know we talked about the tiers, but so this is the uh, 2019 Richards Block. Where is Richards Block? Yeah, so it's just across the street here on the north side of Boucherie Road. Um, we have a really premium vineyard here on our estate. Um, it's south-facing. It's got a beautiful slope. Um, we have the vines here that were planted in the 90s. They're 777 and 115. Mm-hmm. Some years there's some 828 in there, uh, but, but I believe 2019 was just the 115 and 777. Uh, so that is Richard's block over there. The nose is incredible. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's very aromatic for a Pinot. Like it just, it's so lovely. I, yeah, I find there's a lot of that classic Okanagan cherry that you get in the Pinot Noir, but there's also a lot of savory earthiness yeah. in there as well. Um, I find a lot of like black tea in there. I love the the combination of fruit and savory. I think that really sets it apart from just a sort of a pretty wine to a much more complex uh, animal that's going to age really well. Yeah, I love the complexity in the Richards block. They say it's hard to grow Pinot. Is it harder to make it or grow it? Uh, it is definitely hard, harder to grow and harder to make. Um, luckily, we have a really talented vineyard team here and lots of time um, and experience in this vineyard. So we really have um, the history and we've been able to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing right now? Because I know we're we're maybe six or eight weeks out from the maybe six weeks out from the harvest. Uh, what are you doing in the winery? What are you preparing? Or how, what you just stand around read books or what? <laughs> I mean, we need to know. Uh, a lot of planning. Yeah. Um, a lot of walking the vineyards, seeing what's happening. Um, Starting the interns now, getting them all trained up. That's okay. an exciting time of year. And, of course, it could it could be a shorter uh, period that everything comes in at once. That probably takes most of the planning. Yes, it is looking like it's going to be that way. Um, so it's definitely going to be um, a lot in the winery in a short period of time. But I think that we have a great team this year, and it's not going to be a problem. Well, I wish you luck with the harvest. Uh, I think I think everything is in place here. The wines are really sensational. We've been tasting the 2019 Quailsgate Richards Block Pinot Noir and the 2020 Stewart Family Reserve Chardonnay. Uh, you know, available online. Visit the winery, or and many are in restaurants and uh, perhaps favorite 
private wine shops around the province. Thanks so much, Kaylee. Good luck with the harvest. Great. Thank you for having me. That was Kaylee Fresh. She's the associate winemaker here at Quail's Gate. Up next, where there's wine, there's food, and we'll be joined by Roger Sleeman. He's the culinary director along with Adam Mukasa. He's the executive chef at Old Vines, the restaurant at Quail's Gate. Our show is on uh, Radio Weekly. It's also on demand anywhere uh, on all the major podcast platforms. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we will be right back. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax, with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visit Penticton.com. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature, Liber's terroir-focused small-lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club to receive delivery of award-winning wines, new releases in spring and fall, early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Liber Farm and Winery looks forward to hosting you in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at liberfarm.com. Simply great wines. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. From our Save-On Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, BC, from Bounce Radio Terrace to CPAC's 1070 in Victoria. We're on location at Quail's Gate Winery in West Kelowna. Our guests are Roger Sleeman. He's the culinary director, Adam Mukasa. He's the executive chef of the uh, sh- oh, Old Vines, the restaurant at Quailsgate. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have the food cookers here, as we say. we got to have stuff to eat once in a while, eh? Absolutely. Uh, well, Roger, let's start with you. You've been around for a while at Quailsgate, so maybe give us kind of the lay of the land, and maybe for people who, if there are people who haven't been in this restaurant, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about the whole team and what, what's available here now in terms of food. Well, I think uh, I think the Okanagan in general and Old Vines Restaurant. I think since its inception, uh, the Stewart family is really focused on supporting uh, our region, mm-hmm. uh, our our local producers, and uh, um, and really showcasing what we can do here in the Okanagan and, and the bounty, and and really talking about that whole culinary tourism and culin- and uh, food and wine matching. Right, that's mm-hmm. a it's a big. Uh, it all kind of comes together. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and suppliers, like they must range up and down the valley and even outside, or like, what? Give us a couple of examples of yeah. suppliers that would uh, you'd be working with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, our, you know, our, our farmers, our uh, our local producers have really expanded over the years, right? We've had different generations come through since I've been here. So, yeah. uh, searching out new ones is always on top priority. So, you know, some examples we have Unearth Farm. Um, uh, Jordan, who uh, who's really pushing the envelope on, on trying to create new different products and different things to grow, he's uh, he's working. He's you know he's growing. Uh, he has his own. Um uh, corn now, dry corn. He does little year-round beans, dried beans. Uh, you know, not just your standard vegetables and yeah. so on. So really trying to expand a year-round operation. And we have some amazing, uh, um, you know, local producers, uh, cheese producers uh, that are really growing in the valley. Um, and then and then foragers, local foragers that go out and, uh, wow. and get lots of products for us. Yeah. Mushrooms. Love those mushrooms. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so much going on. We, we've been talking actually to the vineyard and the winery about sustainability. It's coming to the kitchen, I think, or to the entire property. So are you guys getting ready for that or are you already deep into it? And how does it affect you? Yeah, I think I think the restaurants kind of led the way a little bit over the years. Yeah. You know, we've, we've started a composting program years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago. And uh, and uh, we've really looked at where our, our you know our inputs are and where their uh, uh, outputs are and uh, what we use where we get our products from and and uh, you know everything from top to bottom that's required in the restaurant we've really thought that out mm. over the years and there's always room for improvement we're always looking for for new ways to to improve as well yeah our guest, Roger Sleeman, he's the culinary director, and Adam uh, Mukusa is uh, the uh, chef of Old Vines Restaurant. Adam, uh, tell our listeners, uh, how would you describe the restaurant if they said, you know, what, what kind of restaurant, what can I eat when I'm there? How would you describe what, what you're doing? You know, we're definitely seasonally focused. Yeah. We're, we're humble, we're honest, we're, we're trying to create um, a, a relaxed, fine dining experience. Yeah. We want everyone to be welcome, um, but ideally we, we like to blow people away and, and really... <laughs> I like that. Execute what we're doing well and, yeah. and really showcase what, what's in season, what's local, and what's really zinging in that moment. And you're not a downtown restaurant. You're a winery restaurant. How, does, uh, how do you interact with the, the wine people here in the wines? Is it a big part of you know, how you cook food and does it drive what you do or do you drive what they do in the vineyard? This should be we good. De- we definitely work together, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, one of my favorite times of the year is harvest, which is coming up. You know, yeah. I love to get back right deep in the winery and, and bug the guys. Uh, I whether love that. Whether it's tasting, sipping, uh, eating, whatever's coming in, you get to see the grapes come in in yeah. huge, vast quantities, and you see them break it down right from the grape all the way to the wine. So mm. being able to taste that process, um, sometimes steal a little bit of that process. I can bring some fresh juice into the kitchen and get something really amazing to use. Wow, I like um, that. Yeah, yeah. Then we, just going through that whole process process is a really fun experience um, uh, and yeah it, it really uh, it just it just adds to everything our whole ideology of of staying as local as possible and we have these grapes literally right, right here so we can use them um, and as they're being picked they're fresh they're they're in season they're they're amazing mm-hmm. so yeah being able to use them is, is, a, is a treat and you have two two great base wines chardonnay and pinot noir uh, these are incredible food wines mm-hmm. Uh, so we asked you to bring a couple of dishes today to match up. So what have you brought along to match up with our Chardonnay? With the Chardonnay, we have a main course of halibut. So it's, uh, it's local ocean-wise halibut. It's, uh, it's been pan-seared and a little bit of butter. It's sitting on a corn puree. Uh, fresh corn has been roasted with uh, chanterelles, g-rolls, uh, some pickled onions and from fresh tarragon. Yeah. All from local farmers. As I said, the fish is all ocean-wise. It's the only thing we accept in the kitchen here. Um, 
onions, uh, Walla Walla onions coming out of uh, Wise Earth Farm. Yep. Another great uh, friend of ours. Chanterelles have been, uh, as Roger was saying, we have the foragers out. Uh, Scott has uh, got these uh, chanterelles for us. Looks so great. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's it's a simple pro- dish, really. There's there's a, you're only looking at five ingredients. It's a it's an umami explosion, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I like about it. And I'm thinking about the Chardonnay because we were talking about the Chardonnay having a lot of f- sort of floral fruit characteristics, but also in BC savoriness. That's right. So the that balance, that complexity in the wine needs to show up in the dishes, uh, I think, and that's exactly what I'm seeing it here. It does, and that sweetness and that almost that velvety, buttery texture that you get naturally from corn uh, j- just really goes really well with the, sh- with the Chardonnay yeah. here. Now, this next dish looks fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of Pinot Noir here, so th- th- this looks like a, n- not a simple dish, but it looks simply composed for a Pinot. Can you tell us about this? So we're looking at Bison Carpaccio. Um, we get bison from northern BC. Yeah. Um, it's been cured very slightly, uh, not for very long, and then we slice it extremely thin, laid on the bottom of the plate. On there, we've, it's dressed with confit shallots uh, and then a blackberry jam. It's the jam on the bottom, so you're getting that sweet and sour on, as, a, as a base layer. Yeah. Pickled, ch- uh, pickled shallots, lots of fresh thyme, uh, fresh chives, grated parmesan, and then puff grains. So you, you're seeing a few different grains in there, yeah, black I- rice, wild rice, and uh, some quinoa. This looks like elongated rice krispies there on top. Exactly, it, it looks really cool, uh, and the flavor and 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 the sauce was blackberry. blackberry. So it's a blackberry compote, and I made okay. it with uh, with a gastrique. So you're getting uh, that sweet sour tang. Yeah. So this whole dish, I'm playing on sweet and sour tang quite a lot. Yeah, uh, and then the crunchy and the soft with the, with the dairy. Uh, or sorry, the fat component from the parmesan. Mm. Fantastic. I, I'm, I'm going to absolutely try both with the wines uh, right after this interview. Roger, what what about, uh, what can people get now? Like, I see stuff going on in the vineyard. People are having dinner outside. What are some of the food options here uh, outside of the restaurant now? So, our, you know, our vineyard dinners, we have our uh, long table dinners in the vineyard. These have been going on for quite a number of years, yeah. and, and they become more and more popular. And, um, you know, coming in as uh, as a set menu, and we're, this is this is really where we, we showcase the valley and really how we're supposed to eat, right? We're sitting yep. outside, enjoying the vineyards, enjoying yep. the view, and, and, uh, and some amazing local producers. Yeah. Well, it looks great. I wouldn't mind being out at a long table there. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Everything just looks so perfect here. And, and uh, so what? how does the future look to you here as, as sustainability drives through? And uh, would you change much or how will you just... I think uh, I think you know what we're, like I said earlier we're we're always looking to improve we're always looking at things we're we're assessing we're we're auditing really what we do on a daily basis yeah and uh, you know looking at our menus looking at our uh, you know everything from cocktail list to uh, everything that we bring in uh, trying to see how we can support local as much as possible um, uh, you know everything from uh, from supplies to any you know a comp- local company we can help. Uh, so that's something that we're always looking at, and uh, and of course, you know, we've been Oceanwise, one of the founding members, yeah. way back in uh, 06, 07. Uh, so it, you know, this is something that we were stay true to, and and we yeah. continue to. So uh, always looking to improve and work. It's pretty amazing what's happened here, though. Eh? If you look at just sort of globally, the whole valley, the yeah. level of food and wine, absolutely, and yeah. like high quality, eh? Not, like yeah. no junk anymore. You go to a winery, you, you have a real experience. I think it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's it's great for the for the yeah. valley. It really is good for the stewards. They they yeah. give you the freedom to do something really great. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's been uh, nothing but uh, great support yeah 
Well, listen, thanks for joining us, bringing the dishes. Uh, we're going to have a little tasting here off air, folks. You'll have to come and visit Quailsgate to have your tasting, uh, but it's well worth it. That was Roger Sleeman. He's the culinary director, Adam Mukesa. He's the executive chef, Old Vines, the restaurant here at Quailsgate. That's it for our show today. Special thanks to our host, Quailsgate, and the entire team. And to my team on site, producer Mike Whittingham, our studio producer, Dwayne Bishop, assignment producer, Sherry Cable, and director of operations, Stu Ferguson. Remember, all our broadcasts are available weekly on the radio or on demand across all the major platforms. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and for all of us at the show, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week live on location as we head about 45 minutes north to Lake Country. We'll be stopping at Aurora's Peak Cellars. Till then, I'm Anthony Gismondi. Enjoy your weekend. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food & Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 